Hey everyone, this is Dan the GM, and we are doing another interview for our three-year anniversary. And I have gotten in contact with another Shadowrun podcast. This one is Pride vs. Prejudice. The scheduling for this one was a little tricky. Nightland was originally supposed to do the interview, but because of work and other scheduling conflicts, I have taken the mantle, so they're stuck with me. So... How about you all give yourselves your intros and uh, tell us who you are. You want in-character introduction or out-of-character introduction? Um, let's go with who you are and who you play. Right, uh, I am Simon and I play the character Huggy Bear, who is the um, rigger for the cherubs. I'm Al. I play Mav the Gun Addict. AKA Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to be. Wasn't going to be there. Hi, uh, I'm Michael. Uh, I play Sunshine, who has ended up being a bit of everything. Uh, I'm mostly the decker and face, and also. What else I get? Shut up. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers, darling. Okay. Sorry, forgot about the spoilers. I'll do that again. Do another take. Um, <laughs> sorry, I forgot we're not like yeah, we're we're where we are. Tried, buddy, tried. Just keep it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll do another take. Um, hi, I'm Michael. I play Sunshine. Uh, I'm the group's Decker and Face. Hi, my oh. name's Jack. I play Toyger. I'm the team Shaman of Cats. And my name's Redian. I am the poor idiot that GMs for this slot. <laughs> I should point out that Tiger is also like Fate's punching bag. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you all get together for this? I know that every every podcast we've talked to has like their own interesting and unique like what brought this into fruition. So I think that one's kind of on me. Um, I've I played Shadowrun for the first time. I think ten to fifteen In the dark years ages. ago. Now. Yeah, you're correct. But please stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I played just after university with a few mates. We were actually playing second edition rather than fourth, which I'm playing now. And I had been wanting to get a game of Shadowrun together for years and years and years, and it never quite happened. One of the few good things to come out of COVID was I did get a Shadowrun game together, which is still going, but it's not the podcast game. And the podcast game just kind of grew out of that because the... The game that I put together during COVID was based on the pre-generated missions packs campaigns and I wanted to do my own thing, had my own idea for a story and I had been listening to loads of Shadowrun podcasts and went, why not me? And dived in in a very amateurish fashion and then I'm going, oh god, our mic's terrible and I'm working things out as I go. but. It was very much, I just wanted to give it a go, felt I had a story to tell, and I've known these guys through various sources for a while. Michael, I think you and I have known each other for about a decade at this point. Depressing. Uh, make, make, make that about 15. 
Yeah. Stop. Stop being right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel the touch of the Grim Reaper. <laughs> and we all... We were all friends anyway, and this just kind of grew out of the other game we had, and the two games are interconnected, so that's how we got started. Hmm. I know that... Um... I got what got me into Shadowrun was just a friend of mine running it in high school, and uh, it was like D and D and like oh, third edition, third edition, yeah, yeah, third edition is what I was playing, ah, and uh, the crunch, yes. <laughs> and what's funny is the crunch is what made it a lot of fun. But the GM, we were doing it during lunch period, so you get about you know forty five minutes. So it's like okay. Um, we had no face because that was the thing that took up the most amount of time and yeah. uh i was i took the rigor concept and i made him a driver like oh, that was all he did my first character was a rigor he he got shot in the face and he got fingers cut off by the yakuza he had a horrible time it was great yeah, <laughs> yeah my I, character in the home games a rigor as well and bisexual disaster but um yeah, you know, what you know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that I can't even remember the character's name, but man, did I go through vehicles. It was, we were re replacing or boosting vehicles every session. That I... brings me a memory of another character I played in another game. Um, Mav may remember one of the characters. It was, it was a Star Wars game. And mm -hmm. it became a running joke that every single ship that this guy piloted ended up crashing or being blown up in some horrifying explosion. Every <laughs> single time. And about half of them I was on. Only half, though. The other, at least one of them, so you, you are duct taped to the landing foils. So you were the reverse Han Solo. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I was a very good pilot, but every uh -huh. vehicle that I piloted exploded at some point. But you had a blind spot when it came to landings. <laughs> I mean, he was very good at landing them. The ships were usually one... usable afterwards. Yeah. Once I landed a ship, it stayed landed. A good landing is when you can walk away from. A great landing is when they can use the aircraft. So, um, what we are doing, and I've told this to everyone, what we're doing for our three year is I wanted to reach out to the community and get other people involved and get a chance to talk about their tales, their characters, their show. Um, we reached out to quite a few and it's gotten to the point where it was supposed to be all one episode, it's going to be released systematically on January 1st. So when this is out, it is January 1st. I don't know what time in the day it will release, but I will shoot all that information once it's all done. But and then time zones make it more complicated. <laughs> time zones do make it more complicated. I, I will tell you it will release on the 1st. Between sun up and sun down, between the two of us, that episode will be out. Hey. Um, I don't know... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just know that on January 1st in America, it will release. That's so, yeah. Uh, we do try to release something every year on our anniversary release date. 
I wish I was that fucking <laughs> what is our anniversary even? Yes. How do you count <laughs> this? Is that yes. I mean, I don't think we've hit it yet. No, it's it'll be sometime um, in June. I'll I'll need to check. It'll be on the um I'll have it written down somewhere. It's just a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been enjoying your show. I enjoy the the different way you're doing it. Um Thank you. It's, it, it's it's unique. Like I've never thought of running a campaign in this extreme of a fashion. Perhaps how so? Uh, I'm I have a sense of what you're saying, but I'm just curious to hear it from out, an outside perspective because, as I'm sure you know, podcasting and it can be a little bit isolated. You're kind of working in your own little bubble, doing your own little thing. So getting oh, yeah. that outsider perspective is always really really interesting. So. What caught my attention for your show is I think you had a promo ran on one of the other Shadowrun campaigns. So I was like, okay, let's go check them out. So I jumped over, listened to it, and it's like every runner in, that I've ever met that does Shadowrun, the one thing that they always kind of skirt <laughs> around or avoid is Humanus and the the meta-human hate and the meta-human phobia. Um, Jump straight in there, blowing up a prey for My my opening yeah. move was a racist terrorist attack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, and it was interesting because I've always thought about that as a uh, as a GM of the how would you run a campaign in that way? And I went, especially with being in America, I was like, ah, that is that is really uncomfortable areas for me to go over. Um, granted, when I hit Shadowrun, we have a homebrew world, and Humanus is unfortunately in two of our cities, and they're going to have to deal with that crap. But I, it's a breath, a breath of fresh air because it's the, it's less, it's less being a runner against corporations and more being a runner as, it's a very rare used term, in, but being angels, where uh, you're doing something for the betterment of the community around you. The, the Shadowrun term that I've come across for that is hooding, as in Robin Hood. But it's mm -hmm. at the time I was kind of putting the idea together for it, the campaign was around about the time of Black Lives Matter being really coming to the fore. Mm -hmm. And it's also all of us playing. I, I will be savagely honest, we are all white and basic as an Ikea bedsheet. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean we don't see it in the world around us and we're all based in Scotland and I'll I'll be brutally honest Scotland yeah we're not bloody innocent here there's large parts of Glasgow like the streets named after people who were slave owners and things like that so we are by no means as a nation innocent some things that I think definitely helps is that I think the majority of us are queer as shit. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I we may be fight as the driven snow, but we are not unfamiliar with systematic oppression. Yeah. And it, it's very much a part of the sixth world. And Shadowrun gives an opportunity to discuss these issues in an open and honest way with 
just enough distance that we can discuss these and go, no, this is shit, and stand up for yeah. what's I mean, right. And I'll, I'll be honest, we're all, as has already been stated, a l- large proportion of the people on this podcast are queer. A lot of us are lefty as hell. And frankly, it's a good opportunity to punch back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. I think Shadowrun's a really fascinating world to live in because there is this constant level of moral ambiguity. It's like, yeah, you might be a good person as a runner, and you might be using the money you get from running to like, I don't know, support like your anarchist German state or to help look after your friends or what have you. But ultimately, you are going to spend at least some of your time being paid to steal money from Girl Scouts <laughs> or Amazon. And um, feel free to like just bleep out the corporate name yeah no um, i can i'll leave them um one of the re- really good things about this campaign is yes there is like there are large evil corporations yes there is a great deal of moral beauty and yes a lot of the people on the team maybe aren't good people but we are breaking into secret bunkers full of like alt-right people and we are kicking their heads in while they sleep and then running into the night with their stuff making the Zoyberg whooping noise. So, <laughs> you know, it's something that we can all come together on. It's punching Nazis good, stealing yeah. their stuff better. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I really enjoy about Huggy and that I've really enjoyed about creating her character in general is the idea that, you know, I looked into a lot of the Black Panther movement into kind of modeling her off of some of them. But also with that side of her, which is she's completely a mercenary. You know, she is in this for the money. She's not going to do a job if she's not getting paid for it. So she's, she may be on the right side or the left side in this particular instance, <laughs> you know, she's she's doing it for money. You know, she at the end of the day, she needs to pay rent. She needs to buy more bullets for the drones. Like that's why she is doing the jobs that she's doing. The fact that she also enjoys the jobs that she's doing is largely a bonus that she didn't expect. This is like the unexpected bonus of working for Starbucks is the free coffee type thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think Soybox gives you free coffee toiger, Dream Mob. <laughs> they make you pay for that track. <laughs> One thing they make at Soybox charges you extra because you're an employee and you're supposed to be loyal to the company. <laughs> One thing I have a lot of fun with is to- with Toyger is um I am probably quite a bit more innocent than I think I am and getting to just rather than having to like in like real life I do spend a lot of time like tiptoeing around issues and not saying things because I'm terrified of how it will come across whereas with Toyger, Toyger can just walk into that face first and does several times Toyger's a raging bellend and it's glorious and I'm here for it yeah (laughs) Toyga was brought up extremely wealthy and told not to think about the people beneath you, and now he is the people beneath him and has no idea what he's doing, but is rolling with it. And it's like, it is fun to exist in that headspace for even like, you know, a couple hours on a Monday night. It's good. 
it's actually something that I really enjoy about the character because it it's allowing us to fundamentally we found ourselves being the Shadowrun podcast that looks at social issues and <laughs> it allows us to look at privilege and trying to overcome that and trying to be the better person but also be being kind of shit at it <laughs> yeah one so the other game that um Ivor runs my observation when i first heard about it was that you're all really nice people or good people doing terrible terrible things and then in this game we're all kind of bastards but we are going to do good if it kills us. It's... Oh god, some of the things I've made that team do. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but... Let us just say that the turn to goo spell has been very well used. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Selling side Don't wearer. bring that walking war crime into this conversation. <laughs> 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 Hey, you are not the only show that has dealt with de stealing and dealing stolen cyberware. <laughs> it's a method of acquiring the cyberware. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, I know the story you're both thinking of. It's from the other game. Let's not go there. Yeah, let, let, let's just not. It's, it's fairly horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> that player has a wonderful imagination and... Jesus. <laughs> it concerns me. <laughs> I might have to ask about this later when we are not recording, because I kind of want to know. You really don't. You <laughs> don't. <laughs> uh, wow. It's interesting that you guys do it that way. It's nice to see a story taken on like this, because it, it does give a, a fresh view at the social problems but giving that satirical twist to it. I think, for me, one of the reasons that I felt able to ta tackle this as subject matter is it's an important story to tell, but also all stories come from conflict, whether mm -hmm. that be literal I'm punching your face in conflict or will they won't they conflict or anything like that and this is such a big conflict that is going on in the yes in our world but in the sixth world is huge because there's been so much upheaval in that world and it just as you said earlier, it's not something that anybody's really tackled. I think Opti edges into it in the Neo Anarchist podcast sometimes, which mm -hmm. I don't know if you've listened to it. It's an in-character yes. history of the sick world. It's basically whenever somebody comes to me and says, I want to get into Shadowrun, I basically go, right, this, listen. Because it, it's just the perfect introduction along with the Brainhead Schemes games. Yeah. But he does lean into it a little bit but he's just got so much to cover in that podcast that it's not mm -hmm. really focused on. So I thought it would be both interesting and important to actually look at it. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, 
But in your real life, it's you're unlikely to ever wake up one day and see on the news racism ended, ableism now illegal, like all well and right with the world. Not with that attitude, you won't. No, not with that. <laughs> The device is nearing completion, fear not. Anyway, um... The sort of theme with this story is, yeah, like, we're not going to sell you some ridiculous fantasy of, like, the racism going away. We are going to sell you a very personal, very relatable fantasy of finding where, um... Insert name of head Nazi here. Um... Finding where he sleeps and filling his bed with itching powder, and then when he scream leaps out of it screaming in the middle of the night, we're all standing over it with bats, like, hello! <laughs> it's, Come on, it's... this is the sixth world, it's more likely to be white phosphorus. Itching <laughs> 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 yeah, powder. Um, it's, it's almost like, um, who here has seen the movie Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. Yeah. Which, Long time ago. Yeah. It, um, you know, the movie where like a bunch of Jewish soldiers go and just machine gun Hitler to death with about 300 bullets and despite the fact it's like in many ways the ultimate power fantasy of hell yeah go back in time and kill Hitler it's also like really grim and gruesome and awful mm -hmm. um, and bleak as shit like that film is it ends with you know, almost everyone who you've been cheering for the entire film, dead. Yeah. And, like, the big bad guy getting saved by the Americans. Like, this, that film is bleak as shit. Yeah, so it's like just Shadowrun. Shadow run. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very Shadowrun game. Yeah. I think, to be honest, I think it's one of the things that I like about Shadowrun is that the characters aren't the big bad heroes they're the grip between the mill wheels mm -hmm. trying to make their way and i think that makes for it makes for a much more interesting story in a lot of ways than the the young hero from his village conquers the world and saves the day just you make a difference but it's a small difference, and I think that's a lot more relatable. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I mean, it's something that, again, I've been really enjoying this Shadowrun specifically, is the downtime stuff. You know, interacting with other members of the community and watching as the world slowly grinds everyone down into, you know, the dust that the next big corp can suck up and turn into something profitable. You know, it's, you know, that is such a, especially at the moment, such a relatable <laughs> feeling. You know, you look outside and you watch the temperature slowly rising while half the, the world says, actually, no, it's not. Global warming is a lie. And all the people who are making the problem happen go, I think we can still make money off of this. You know, there's that kind of feeling of, the world is doomed and no one's doing anything about it. Yeah. And yeah. Shadowrun very much has that feeling of the world is doomed and nobody's doing anything about it. And even our characters, what we're doing about it is 
there is this very small specific problem in our community, and we are going to solve it with extreme violence. And that's not a good solution. <laughs> like, that solution is not going to stick, but it's a solution that we currently have, and we're going to use it. Even and all of it, your problems look like nails, and you've got a sledgehammer, Huggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's that, that old thing of, we can't save the world, but I might be able to save my little slice of it for another day. And yeah. then tomorrow there will be the new crisis, and then we will deal with that crisis, and we will keep going until we either run out of crisis or run out of people to throw at the crisis. Yeah. I think the other... Um, just hopping back a bit on themes and um, such like. In D&D, a dragon is a final boss. You are meant to go into the dungeon and slay the dragon. Shadowrun, you can't, like, no. You, you, you can't are crunchy fight. and good with ketchup. You are crunchy and good with ketchup. You, like, forget trying to fight Ghostwalker. It's not going to happen. Um, I've seen his stat block. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can fight any dragon you want. You just won't walk away. <laughs> Even getting to the dragon to fight him is going to be a problem. Yeah. yeah. Like, first, get past <laughs> his massive private army to get to him is a huge problem. But yes, it's the Terry Pratchett thing of um, you can do anything once. You can fight any dragon once. Yeah. All mushrooms are edible for once. Exactly. <laughs> they might make you see blood first, <laughs> So I have a question. Like, you guys are playing a little bit more in the vanilla world, right? Like, you're going off of the vanilla lore is a lot of what you use, correct? Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of is a key part of that sentence. A lot of the laws that we've come up with for New York has been us coming up with law for New York because New York doesn't have a lot of law. Yeah. yeah. So are you uh, pre or post Night of Rage? Very much post Night of Rage. Uh, okay. Night of Rage took place, if I remember correctly, in about the 2040s. Uh, we Is are... it like late 2030s? It might be. I think you might be. Most thirty-nine because the first yep. the first gang you set up against us up against is a yes, thirty-nine. Thirty-nine rages. You're absolutely right. Thank yep. you. Uh, so we're we're playing in 2070, which is in the uh, fourth beginning of the sorry 2072 beginning of the fourth edition law. Uh, so fourth edition ran between 2070 and 2075. I prefer to play games that have extensive lore because mm. I I find it much more interesting rather than doing a homebrew world to take a well-established world like Shadowrun or Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay as the other game I've run reasonable amounts of and weave a story into that. Mm. So, and Shadowrun lends itself very well to this because you're always in the margins with Shadowrun, you're always in the cracks between things. And within the Shadowrun lore, there are no reliable narrators. Yeah. Every single narrator in those books, because a lot of the lore is done as chats on forums, every single mm -hmm. one of those narrators is unreliable. They might be wrong, they might be lying, they, they all have their own agenda. 
and it means that you can very easily weave your own story into that mm-hmm. which i i find interesting and honestly it's a little bit less effort and saves me some aggro <laughs> i mean i think again without talking about you know i as a i gm'd a few games myself and one is i quite often like writing my own words but that's because i have a big grand plan where at the end of the uh, at the end of the game the the players have had a significant impact on the world on this kind of game is very much no at the end of the day we may have stopped whatever it is we were trying to do but the world is going to keep on going you know regardless of what we do we are not going to change anything really maybe they will make some day some people's lives a little bit better but at the end of the day we are not fighting like we're not even trying to fight the systems that we live in we're trying to live in it right and we're trying to make living in it as painless as possible like the characters aren't even trying to fix the world mm-hmm. they're just like well if I can make the part of the world that I live in slightly less painful to live in, then I've achieved my goals. And make rent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make rent, be able to buy enough bullets to survive the next one. It's especially where a lot of your characters live. Like a lot of your characters live in the if you were in Seattle, you all live in kind of the barrens. I mean I I was one of the people who came up with I don't mind. Hope, hope you don't mind me mentioning this. I don't know. Go for it. Go I, for ca- it. I came up with some of the background law for the Warrens, which is mm-hmm. where Huggy lives, and I. It's an absolute dreck, old man. <laughs> yeah, I, I came up with the idea was that I think Ivar had this idea that there's no really nowhere in New York that is like the Barrens, that is just this lawless hellscape of utter devastation. And I thought, how do you build that in Staten Island? And so I came up with this area, which is this, you know, in in real life, it's this old waste dump that was turned into a park. And my idea was, well, what if it wasn't ever turned into a park and instead was turned into a concentration camp for orcs and trolls during the Night of Rage? So, and you know, it's still this toxic waste dump, and the waste, all the like the things that have been keeping the toxic waste sealed away have been broken in the earthquakes, and you know, like it's just a shithole. It's a yeah. complete shithole that no human would livingly live in if it wasn't for the fact that it's in the middle of New York. Mm-hmm. I think, in terms of the world building, one of the advantages we have with Shadowrun is that we can actually use Google Maps because mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's the Google My Maps function and uh, I think you actually suggested law for one of the districts. There was uh, a uh, Cannibal Clowns. Yes, yes, yes. That, was it, that was it. Um, so we've, we've got a living campaign map that is based on an actual map of New York just with an overlay on it that's partially based on the official law for particularly Manhattan and the wider area. Mm-hmm. And we just keep expanding it as we play. And as Huggy said, it's 
most areas, like 99.9% of New York, is not as bad as the, the Barrens in Seattle, the Redmond yeah. Barrens. There's a couple of areas that are just absolute no-go yikes. Mm -hmm. And particularly myself and Michael are massive history nerds, so I've actually ended up learning a fair amount about New York because of this game. I'm sorry. As, don't worry about it. <laughs> New York has a fascinating history of... It does. Like, it's not a good history, but then, no. like, if you've gone into the genuine history of most places, like, any of ours that has been a major human settlement for any significant amount of time has had genuinely horrifying thing has happened to it, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. We're, yeah, New York is definitely up there in terms of horrifying things happening to it, especially in the Sixth World. So but we're... I hope you guys don't mind me saying this. We're all in Edinburgh in Scotland. Look at the World's End murders. It got weird. So everywhere's had weird shit happen. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, go back further, you've got, you know, the Norton Lock and, you know, witch dippings. What? <laughs> the old town being built on the older town. And... Edinburgh is known as one of the most haunted cities in the world, and it's known as that for a reason. Is it bad <laughs> that actually makes me want to go there and visit just to experience that? Uh, don't, because the people who, who say that sort of thing are trying to get your money. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, absolutely you... come to Edinburgh. Come to Edinburgh not during the festival. Don't um, come during the festival. Don't come during your own sanity. <laughs> but it's a lovely place. I, I really like living here. But Jesus Christ, there are some problems with this place. And they have been for a very long time. As there is with anyone. But, yeah. but one of the things that I've enjoyed doing is taking real world history of New York, uh, like the Staten Island boat graveyard. The, I just came across it via a YouTube video and went, yes, that, we're using it. And now it's used as a smuggling route between New Jersey and New York in the Shadowrun world that we've built. Mm -hmm. But you kind of have to watch the, the ghoul gangs that live there that have fully embraced their ghoulish nature and kidnap people and hunt them through the boat graveyard. It, it's, oh, it's bad. Yeah, ghoul. Like the minute you mention ghouls, it just makes things a lot worse for everyone. Yeah, and it's they ghouls are in the Shadowrun universe. They're not quite like monsters in other universes because they used to be humans, but they've just got this awful disease. And again, it's Shadowrun. Early Shadowrun was really for lack of a better term, socially conscious, it's actually it's actually an analogy for HIV. Hmm. It's what they were originally written as and how people viewed them in the late 80s, early 90s. And yeah. Michael, there was a... You told me about this. What was the term for HIV before it was HIV? Oh, the grid. Yeah. Grid, yes. Yeah, uh, gay-related immune disorder or yeah. something like that. Um, but yeah, back before HIV was called HIV. Um... And it... Shadowrun is very, very good at taking these things and 
making them just palatable enough that we can play with it and interact with it and then you unpack it and go oh 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 okay i mean so, i mean yeah so i you know to, to, to sort of carry on from that it's a, it's a fact that i'm i suppose comfortable is maybe is a long long word i feel it is okay for huggy to be uh Sons member and not Sons member, Sons Sons affiliate, and uh, Sons of Sauron to clarify for those who don't know who I'm talking about. It's a uh, kind of uh, orc and more controlled black panthers. Yeah. yeah, but like it's but they're not, also not quite the black panthers. They have the violence of the black panthers, but not the communities like organization of the black panthers, which. But, like, I, as an extremely white person, don't, would not feel comfortable playing a character who was in the Black Panthers. But mm. is that removal of, from the real world, that being in the Suns gives you, it allows me to explore that scene without me feeling like I am actually insulting the trauma of real people. Yeah. And it... It allows you to... come to a better understanding of it, I think. It's not... It's never going to be a complete understanding, of course, but it gives... allows you to... begin to gain an inkling, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. It's why we roleplay, it's to stand in someone else's shoes for a bit and mm -hmm. broaden our view of the world a little bit. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think that's like definitely one way to look at it. shoes down, we know where you got them. Yeah. No, my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Stop shining them, Tiger, they're suede. No, mine. <laughs> well... So one of the things uh, that we've actually been doing, which I don't think I actually sent to y'all, is um, part of what we're doing is to give it this what the dice twist that we have been doing for these interviews. I have a chart with some questions and you will need a D4 and a D6. We'll do like two or three of them. I believe the tiger has been swatting up on this one. Oh, I have this one in front of me. Yes, I oh, thought uh, of one. I was really excited for one, and I've completely forgotten which one it was. I think it was the dinosaur one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I prepared a slideshow and a six-hour presentation. <laughs> All right, so we'll give you a special episode later. Yay. All right, so who wants to roll the d6? Mm. Damn it, that's my dice. Uh, I'm, rolling. I'm not used to needing a D4 of a Shadow Run player. <laughs> <laughs> that's a one. All right, so we're going to be a show-based question. And I need and a, a D4. D4. Yeah. Yep. I've got a D4 to hand. Uh, so if I, I roll the three. Four. I got three and a four. Which one do you guys want to do? Uh, three. Thirteen. Lucky for some. Okay. Yeah. How'd you guys get into podcasting? Like, what made you get do this? Ridian was all Ivar. Sorry, <laughs> Ivar. <laughs> I don't mind if you use the real Oh man, so, so you, you've pretty much had the bus firmly parked on you, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's his Riz goal. Just said, 
I loaded it up with two concrete blocks and drove it straight at them, yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, so it's a spoiler. <laughs> Every ten sessions he releases another hostage. <laughs> yeah, it, it was firmly my fault, as we discussed earlier, me just yep. going... I've been listening to a lot of Shadowrun podcasts. Why not me? Guys, yeah. guys, do you want to do a thing? Oh shit, our microphones are crap. Oh god, how do I edit? Jesus Christ, what's this? Yeah, it, it's... We're amateur as fuck, but learning as fast as we can. <laughs> I mean, learning as fast as you can. Don't put this on the rest of us. <laughs> Honestly, the... I actually, from my point of view, now I actually have a degree in TV production, with editing focus. I actually know how to edit. I actually really enjoy the indie style because everyone has, it doesn't, it's all, not all the exact same. Yeah. Everyone, especially if you are self-taught, you pick up different techniques that you enjoy that make you stand out different. Okay. And that's what makes everyone's show that, like a fingerprint. No one yeah. has the exact same show, unless you're like some of the big shows that I don't want to talk about. They are, you know, their format because it's the exact same format every season. Yeah, I mean, I, as I say, I just, I had a mate who does pod, completely different genre of podcasting. Showed me a program to do some editing in. I had listened to a bunch of other Shadowrun podcasts, gone, I like that idea, I like that idea, I like that idea, right, let's steal those, and just went for it. It's not stealing, it's being inspired by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Wish Shadowrunners being put right on the table. <laughs> like, I, I've done a bit of streaming, um, not a lot, and I should get back to it, but, you know, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts in my time, and doing a podcast is something I've always wanted to do, mm -hmm. and doing some kind of roleplay-related podcast is what I always wanted to do it about. So when Ivar had came up you know, with, the, with the suggestion, I absolutely jumped at the idea. I wanted to be part of this the second that you brought it up. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's, for me, it was something I never had the guts to do on my own. And Ivar offered, you know, to do the actual hard work. And I just got to do the fun stuff, putting on an accent and being violent. You being was enough of an idiot to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently in theory, in the process of writing my first Shadowrun, which will be for... mainly for the home game, but because of character crossover, it will show up a little bit in the... Um, the podcasts. Mm -hmm. So, it's... Having gone on this... Um, bizarre Shadowrun journey that started from... Oh, well, the world's ended. Um, Want to play Shadowrun? Yeah, because you're the only player who's in both games, aren't you? I am, yeah. It's also uh, Nickel's fault that the rest of us got interested. Because <laughs> during, during lockdown, um, 
because Michael was living on her, his own, he bubbled, as I think the British government did, let him become part of the household with um, me and Simon and our flatmate at the time. And so I would just wander over to his once a week and we would talk. And every week, what did you do in Shadowrun? Oh, we blew up a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually hey, we, we got told by Ghost Walker that we were bad and that we were to hand over his shiny ball ball and to fuck off out of Denver and never darken his door again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and over time, this went from, eh, this is kind of cool, to, I want to play this. I suppose I could talk to Ridge, see if he wants to run another game. And lo and behold, yeah. another game started. And now yeah. I'm running, running too. <laughs> I, again, Shadowrun is something. I first learned about Shadowrun around the first times that I first learned about D&D, which was back in uni. So 10, more than 10 years ago now. 13 years ago now? 14? God, I'm old. Um, and... You're the second youngest of us, hush. Hush, child. <laughs> Fossils, all of you. I found you in a nursing home, bitch! Island! <laughs> yes, hi, we're dating. And yes, I did find him in a nursing home. Yeah, the running gag is that I'm the youngest one here and I'm normal dark arthritis. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so I felt like the way that I was introduced to the idea of Shadowrun is somebody describing a run that they went on, and I don't know what. Um, what uh, um, rule sets they were using, what additions they were using, but how they had uh, intended to cast a fireball to like knock out the security camera on an opposite um, on on a building, and just kept cascade critting until oh, no. they blew up half of a building. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, and oh, that dear. like. Then I heard that, I was like, I need to play the system. I need I think to play the system. Shadowrun, it's kind of the RPG that every RPG player has heard of, but a lot don't give a go because of its reputation of being so honky-cronky-crunchy. Yep. I mean, I think that's partly... Uh, it's every... Every role player wants to play a Shadowrun game. No one ever wants to run. A Shadowrun game. This is also true. I'm so used to it at the moment. I think at this stage, I've, the Stockholm Syndrome is set in. Other people go, oh, this is so complicated. And I'm going, really? It's easy. It's like, no, oh, shit, I've been running. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> and, and this is what I've been helping my players, because, okay, for our season two, I'm the only experienced Shadowrun player. Nightlin and Ethan, who plays the Fibulous in season one, have played maybe an hour to four of a game. Everyone else, this is their first time either tabletopping. I have a LARPer, someone who's literally fresh out the gate, and one person who's a GM for mostly D&D. This yeah. is the first time they've ever seen this system. Yeah. <laughs> this is that RPG as well. So, question, how are you handling dice? Because that was the big thing for me when we partially because we are running it through, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of the company's yeah, yeah, system, um, through the uh, Roll20. 
Yes. Which has a wonderful system which, will, which handles all the dice for you. It involves a lot of background work by Ivar. Yeah. A lot of background work. But it means that I don't have to count out two fistfuls of D6s and then, okay, so I'm counting fives and sixes. Okay, so that's this many hits, this many hits. No, it, it does all of that for you. It handles everything for you. So we have it. Uh, we're doing it two different ways. I have paid for a subscription to Foundry. And it has a... Uh, it has a system in it that you can install for Shadowrun 4th edition, which we are using. Oh. Or 5th edition. What edition am I using? <laughs> are you using 5th edition? Crap. I'm using 5th edition. Using 5th edition. Because that's what I've been researching. Um, so we're doing 5th edition. It has a SR5 program. It also supports SR6. Yeah. But we're doing some homebrew rules if you played third edition there is a little known rule called the action movie uh rolls which increases your dice pool to where you use fours fives and sixes as successes because ah, third yeah. ed is variable um target number mm -hmm. so pre fourth edition that's how it works but, I mean, one of the things I'm very much in favor of with Shadowrun is anything that makes it more accessible without taking away the spirit of the game. So right. um, my wife is in our home game, and she has Discalculus. So for those who are unaware, it's basically dyslexia for maths. So Roll20 is great for that because it removes a lot of the maths. It's mm -hmm. just, okay, roll this plus add in plus or minus this yeah but i'll also do things like so one of the rules in Shadowrun is reach so the longer your weapon is it gives you a bonus and it's meant to be if your weapon is longer than the other person's you get a net bonus i i don't bother with that i just go right just a flat bonus yes it chucks out the maths a tiny bit but it's close enough and yeah. just doing little things like that here and there to just smooth things out just makes the game so much more accessible and it's i've played i think the first day the first role play game system that i played was as is usually the case i played dnd i think it was 3.5 played a little bit of that first thing i ever gm'd was gurps but the thing with Shadowrun, and I think everybody who has played Shadowrun, they all say the same thing. It's just the setting. The setting mm -hmm. just grabs you and pulls you in. And it's fascinating and crazy. And the rules drives you, drive you up the wall. And I feel absolutely justified in saying this because I know the line developer for Shadowrun Shadowrun at the moment, Jason Hardy has said this as well, when he got handed f first edition was, oh my god, the setting's amazing, the rules blow. Mm -hmm. So, it has gotten I'm... better, but it's it is that setting that just draws you in and takes you along for the ride and makes you want to play. Yeah. So, when I first met um, Michael, and it was like starting dating general chat, oh, what do you do for fun? And he told me, oh yeah, we play this game called Shadowrun that I'd never heard of. And he was telling me about the setting and the history and the way it works. And it's a really fascinating, inventive world. 
and it got to the point where it's like, oh yeah, so these are my hopes, dreams, ask shut up, I don't want to hear about that. Tell me more about this setting. Tell me more about how this game works. <laughs> that, that's because you're a nerd. Silence, nerd. <laughs> and we love you for it. <laughs> I think one of the things that really helped Shadowrun develop such a like deep lore um, is two things. It started from our world. So yes. there's a whole lot of background world building you just don't need to do. Like, we don't need to work out the continental plate drift and all this stuff. It's done. Oh, you do if you're playing Earthstone, buddy. Let's not get down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, because it's very constrained in time, because each edition is only pushing the storyline forward about five years, so yeah. you get to cram an awful lot in there. Um, it's the lore for Shadowrun is almost fractal. Like the deep, like you can go down a massive rabbit hole and learn about, you know, the um, what the taxi system in Tenochtitlan is like for public transport. <laughs> That's a thing. Mm -hmm. It's in a book. I have that book. <laughs> and it's... there's a thing in this modern world that you think is really cool and you want to bring it in, you can go for it. So if there's like a historical event that you think, right, that thing was... Everything from that event is now obviously magical. So you can have a character who's hunting high and low for the magical reagent that is the chunk of the Berlin Wall. Or if you know a lot about the history of a particular slum in a particular city, it's like, well, that's a setting now. That's where my character's from. That's where my character's trying to get back to. It's it gives you so much to work from and it doesn't rely on you having read like every source book going back to first edition D&D. It's like, no, I live in this city and there's this place I want to involve in the Shadowrun game and you can just do that. It's so related to that. Uh, one thing that I really want to do as a campaign in future, don't know if it'll be a podcast or not at this stage, this is just hope streams for the future is to run a shadow run game set in scottsboro so within the shadow run universe edinburgh and glasgow have just merged into one mega city and i really want to do a campaign set there get all of my scottish mates and just tell me anecdotes gather stories and just build this into a campaign and i already know what i want to do for the first mission uh are you familiar with the statue of the duke of wellington in glasgow no i it's do i am not i said that's fine uh, so there is a long-standing tradition in glasgow that the, this statue always has a traffic cone on its head just it's a thing it started as people pissed on a night out drunk as fuck just going yep let's put a traffic cone on that and it's now got to the point where it's on postcards, it's in travel guides, it's like people will put up special promotional ones and I want to run a, do a run where they're hired by a gang to put a traffic cone with that gang's colours on there and get take off the one that's got the corporate advertising on and put this gang's traffic cone on the statue's head and that's the entire run. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. That that's almost become part of like the the national identity of scotland there's, also, <laughs> it's like, um, there's that very famous photo from the fourth road bridge of the the, the light up traffic sign that you know warning <laughs> weather ahead and it genuinely said on it 
blurry as fuck, man. Also, my last day. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Fire me? I'm retiring. We are also the nation that named a hurricane Hurricane Ballback. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in, I think that in Shadowrun law, Hurricane Ballback would have been a vacant storm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I am brewed an awakened beverage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, background Kent. Negative to all traditions. This country's a fucking circus. Anyway. <laughs> do we want to do another roll? Uh, sure. All right, sure. let's get a d6. Uh, I'll roll. We got a floor dice get re-rolled. This uh, will Okay. Uh, I'll, we've lost that one. I'll get a new one. Four. We got a four. All right. So another show-based question. Right. I'm rolling to D4. Okay. Yeah, three again. Damn it. All right. So Ooh. we will drop that one. Give me. Uh, do we want to just roll another four? Or do we want to do the whole re-roll, like D6 and a D4? Uh, wasn't uh, it one and a three last time? Do it. Do a completely fresh re-roll, just because right. we had a show-based question last oh. time. Another four. Let's roll again. Five. There we go. All right. Personal questions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oversharing time, boys. <laughs> uh, let's see. How did you come up with your character or how or... Well, it's how did you come up with your characters and for your GM, how do you come up with your NPCs? So, I like playing magical characters and I thought the idea of like somebody who was brought up as like New England royalty now being forced to slum it was really fun. And I came across this cat breed that like Toigers are a cat breed. And they were bred to look like tigers but be like perfect little lap cat. Um thing is they're based almost totally on Bengal stock and Bengals are little crack fiends with four <laughs> legs. Um, <laughs> and that mutated into this person who was born and bred to be little corporate lap pets, who actually like shreds the antique rug, pisses on the antique sofa. He's a complete fur goblin. Yes. Yeah. Um, who is like fight? I, I don't. I, I can't do accents, but like he's fighting a constant losing battle with his upper class accent. He's a bit oblivious. He tends to say things without thinking because he didn't have to think. But he is also like deep down a feral animal that wants to eat your eyes. Um, and yeah, I just thought that it just sort of grew arms and legs, and the character sort of developed and grown arms and legs as I've been playing him, and it just grew up from that one fun little yeah. thing I found. Hmm. Who wants to go next? You're talking. Good luck. Okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, my character is an NPC. Literally. <laughs> my, my character is actually a canon NPC who ended up dating my character from the home game. Um, this is also kind of why she got spun out as a second character, because I was not having both of them on screen at the same time. So the relationship is always post-it notes and phone calls. For anybody who's seen Dad's Army is very Captain Mannering's wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was literally 
um, my character in the home game started dating the NPC um, when we had to leave Denver uh, in the home game. It was like, right, I knew Ivar was planning to spin off this podcast game when we got there. I was like, you know what? That would make a, a good fresh start NPC that would still... Uh, PC, sorry. <laughs> um, fresh start player character, um, but still like tie in, and I thought I could do some quite interesting things with that. So, yeah, um, took her um, her NPC character sheet, went through it, um, scribbled out the bits I didn't like, started from her base stats, bought that with build points, and then went, oh, I've got a bunch of build points left over. Okay, let's see what I can make with this. And oh god, do we have interesting times ahead for that character? Foreshadowing. Nav is a really bad example because he's built almost straight off the SR4 gun adept. Nav does not have little pink hearts on his boots, don't ask. <laughs> Why not? They're on his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, we all know that Mav isn't that important. Is, is, is it like heart on each cheek or are they split the seams? <laughs> I think it's the classic, like, lots of love hearts all over with white, uh, white boxers. Happen ones with lace trims. <laughs> Why do I put up with any of you? <laughs> because I GM Shadowrun for you. Because we help pay the bills, darling. <laughs> we help pay the bills. So you you basically rebuilt the uh, gun adept from the the books. Uh, scribbled out one weapon skill, wrote in another, um, and Mav grew out of that. Oh. You did you did come up with the backstory? The, yes, but that came that, later. That, that came after several runs. Yeah, fair enough. So you kind of run loose with the backstories, just to get it. Yeah, normally, normally when I'm building characters, I look through the books. I find a cool rule interaction. I build an actual person who might use that rule interaction and build the character from there. Mav is an odd example and has come out interesting because of it i think a lot of the characters have grown quite organically i mean that you know, story grew out of him having one particular knowledge knowledge skill from the stock character which i don't think we've revealed in... we haven't revealed yet no, we have not backstory we're, we're quite a ways off that sadly so huggy so are you done this. I'm done. Yeah. So Huggy is started in a very similar way, where she started with the stock uh, Riga character turned into a troll because I wanted to play either an orc or a troll. Originally, I wanted to play a <laughs> goblin, but we thought that introducing an HM HVV positive character wasn't a great. Like, Especially as my first time playing a Shadowrun character. Um, they have a lot of really interesting roleplay opportunities, but 
they are very difficult to play and very difficult to integrate and into I, another run team. Yeah, and I don't think I had have that the knowledge to run it or the experience to run it. I don't think I could have done that. Justice. I think there's only one Shadowrun uh, podcast that I've come across that has done it, and that was Crit Squad, who had a Zunu Kwa um, introduced later in the campaign as a player character. And I mean, they did it beautifully, hats off. But by God, it's difficult to do. I think, <laughs> um, yeah, they did it, and then also Sinless has done it. Otto yes, is... you're absolutely right. Sinless is, uh, has a goon. Um, yes. They have some a character who actually nope nope not gonna say that just in case some, no somebody's not listened to it. <laughs> yeah, Spoilers. but no. There, as far as I know, that there there has been two that have ghoul or the uh, vampire disease positive characters. Yes, yeah. I think those are the only two. There's there's a few other characters. Uh, campaigns that have had drakes uh there's mm -hmm. a few other campaigns that have had odd meta types mm -hmm. but i think those are the only ones that have had uh hmvv positive characters here right so anyway um you know i started off wanting her to be a troll um i uh, i am uh, gender fluid so whenever i can i play you know i'm bought and you know, assign male at birth, but whenever I can, I like to play female characters. It's an opportunity to play as a woman. And I am... The reason that she's German is partly because um, that's where my, you know, my father's side of his family is from. They're from specifically Southern Germany. So I wanted to create a Southern German troll which is where some of this accent comes from. It comes from my experience speaking to family members who come from southern Germany, specifically Schwabia, but that won't mean anything to most people. Um, but when I was looking into the character, I found the um, Black Forest Troll Kingdom and kind of fell in love with the place. So having her as this character who's come from the Black Forest Troll Kingdom, this place where, you know, the idea of being a Trog is not unusual. In fact, it is the norm. And where she has had this upbringing, where, you know, I had this idea where her parents were part of the, um, the, the backlash against metatypes that happened in Germany and specifically in southern Germany that led to the creation of the Troll Kingdom. And her kind of coming out of that with a very militant troll rights attitude, but very little actual experience. And then coming to the States, to UCAS, where there's this massive, um, you know, uh, discrimination and having to deal with that that disconnect between what she has kind of grown up with and how the outside world actually is um, and her being very 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 angry about this and 
reacting to it very violently. You know, thinking like, no, I'm, I, I have a right to be here. I have a right to be here and be at all and be, you know, openly and outwardly proud of who and what I am. And if you get in my way, I have four drones with, you know, I think they're still packing assault rifles at this point in time. It's um, still chucking lead. It doesn't. Once like, you've you know, got I, I, a round I in your gut, it doesn't make lead. a difference. What <laughs> <laughs> I still have a small wall of lead that I will throw in your direction if you slight me. And you know, being very self-confident in that, no, I am. I am allowed to be where I am. And if you think that I don't deserve to be where I am, then I will shoot you. Um, and I found that being ver a very uh, fun way of playing the character of no, I don't, I, I refuse to accept your racism as re legitimate because I have guns. <laughs> one of the things I <laughs> across about Huggy from like one of like a teammate position, the mental image I have of Huggy is Huggy is the hottest thing alive. Like, just she radiates this very intense self confidence, which is. No, it's a wonderful character trait, and you bring it across very well. Thank you. I've already got turn. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is. I think, I, that's, yeah. I think that's my turn. Uh, so, in terms of how I come up with NPCs, I beg, borrow, and steal from everywhere. So, they come from my own life experience, they come from fiction, they come from. I need a character in this situation to do this thing. Um, I've given Michael a certain amount of disquiet with how well I play corporate characters in Shadowrun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I unfortunately I have to... Rage slave. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately have to work for the man, and I fucking detest it. So, in a lot of ways, when I get to play a character in Shadowrun who is a corporate shill, it's my own little private revenge. Um, <laughs> we've also worked in things where it's just stuff that somebody one of us has come across and told the other a story of um so put the kitchen down david yeah an amazing, <laughs> an amazing example that it doesn't really come up as, as as a character as such but just adding flavor to the world they're on public transport and you know you over here like a weird conversation sometimes when you're on public transport just chucking that in. yeah and there's there's one in particular that michael told me about about a guy <laughs> who'd been stealing kitchens and his mates talking about him being in the jail <laughs> that i slipped into an episode at one point and he was just absolutely on the floor it's fantastic <laughs> but get made canon against your will as well like oh. your cats being a beloved children's show <laughs> unfortunately i had to cut that because it didn't work Just with everything around it so slip we it will in make it canon again make it make it happen at some point but for that one it just didn't work i'm sorry buddy oh. but as i say for anybody who's gming 
characters, NPCs, beg, borrow, and steal from everywhere and everything. <laughs> and I mean, I've worked in a lot of weird and wonderful places. So I worked in construction for a while, and that's been great for characters. Oh, yeah. Um, in including some of the antagonist NPCs. Uh, so... I mean, for a while whilst working in construction, you know how normally when you come across somebody who's racist and there's the classic, I'm not racist, but... Mm-hmm. This guy... There was no almost nothing I could respect about the man except his honesty. Because when you pulled him up on this and said, do you realise that sounds kind of racist? He wouldn't turn around and say, oh, I'm not racist, but he would say, oh, no, no, I hate the bastards. And it's like, wow. yeah, and it's like, you're a streak of shit, but you're an honest streak of shit. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it, it, you meet some very strange people working in construction. But okay, pulling on those sorts of threads of the everybody's met some strange people throughout their lives for good or ill but pull on those make use of them for npcs and you can create interesting is not necessarily the right word memorable pcs npcs yeah. rather definitely i know that i have issues because we're actually making an entire homebrew world like i have written history i have a world map that we're working on so we actually have in our discord a thing where people can introduce anything from runner names to stores and clubs and that's where i've been pulling from for those like i need something to fit in this spot and my brain doesn't want to do it yeah and it's been nice because they're like our community has dropped a bunch of good information and got a bunch of good stuff. We always credit who came up with it, but it's it's as a GM, there's a point like I use a for our first season, I used a random name generator all the time because it was the I need a name, I need it now. Yeah, I I use random name gener generators when when I need an NPC name fast on the fly. And again, it's one of the things that Shadowrun's good for is because it's real world or close mm -hmm. to real world i should say you can just go i need a i need a real world name right where's this piece person from right he's filipino right generate a filipino name for me cool we'll use that yeah and it just makes them a little bit more believable yeah it, it makes it easier to get into that world because mm -hmm. It's the names don't sound made up. Yeah. If, if you're using like a British British name generator or an American name generator, they'll sound a little bit daft. Like, hmm, Bob Smith. Yep, yep. That's that name's bullshit. But particularly for cultures we're not so familiar with, it it does work very well. Yeah. I do remember one time in our home game. This was back in Denver. It was a pre-built run where whoever had written it had obviously got bored and then went digging through a history book. And so we oh met. God, yeah. yeah, there were two triad contacts we were supposed to be meeting. 
and Ivar read out the names for them, and it was Sun Yat Sen and Shang Kai Shek, and I breezed at that moment. <laughs> I died on microphone because, and everyone else was going, "What? Why, dude? That was just two Chinese names. Why is that funny to you?" I'm like, "Give me, give me a minute, okay." Y'all know anything about the Chinese Civil War? No. no. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> lesson time, kids. Oh, dear. If, That's if, brilliant. If, if wonderful. You've read, if you've read the backstory, it's a really funny joke, like Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, it, it's fun seeing where people have pulled NPC games from sometimes, if you can spot those little references. Mm-hmm. And occasionally Riddle say, right, this character needs a name, go. And we'll all just squawk names at him, and then he'll pick two. And yeah. be like, right, I need a meta type and I need a voice. And then... I think I've heard you guys do that on the uh, actual, like, yeah. when an episode's out. Like, I think I've heard you guys do it. Yeah, I, I quite like... If it's a character we're coming up with at the time, mm-hmm. I like to involve the players. I like to have them involved in the world building. Because mm-hmm. Shadowrun is very, very good as a system at the people you know and using them to get what you need. Uh, the contact system, I don't think I've come across it uh, compared with a lot of other systems that I've played. And the downtime system in Shadowrun particularly is fantastic. But uh, contacts, they're kind of owned by the players. They're the, the character. They're the player characters, friends, acquaintances, sometimes family members. So I like to involve them in creating those mm-hmm. and expanding the world. And it makes the world a little bit more theirs. Yeah, I mean, it makes them invested. That, that's, that's how we came up with Lodzog. He is Ooh. still my favorite NPC so far. They are just so much fun. They are just... I, 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 they've turned up a lot more in the game since their creation. Yeah. But just the interactions between Huggy and Lurtzog, I enjoy it so much. The the thing with Lurtzog that's kind of funny is Lurtzog unintentionally became autistic as fuck. And let's be honest, I don't think anybody in this game is, is neurotypical. And it's basically me and Simon just unmasking hard at each other when we <laughs> play those characters. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so much fun to be just to, just to roll, to have the, the you know me and you roleplay Lurtzog and and Huggy, but it's just Huggy being the slightly more sociable autistic person, and Lurtzog being just. People. Oh, no. oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not in binary, I don't care, and I recognize the irony statement. <laughs> oh, I, 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 binary for food, not for gender. Lotsock <laughs> yeah. is probably one of my favorite characters in any medium ever, and I love that I helped to bring them into existence. No. How? I don't think we've inflicted too much of the rest of the party on Lurtzog. I look forward to that happening because at least one of us is going to end up with a bullet hole that's 
It's going to be you, Tiger. It's going to be Try not to get shot by another teenager. <laughs> Lotzog is have... pretty old. Lotzog is probably the oldest person, one of the older people that's a um, podcast that the team has met so far, besides the elves that we've met. I imagine them being quite young. But... Alright, fair enough. Simply, at the very beginning, we, we established that Lotzog is like in their 40s. Yeah. I believe that was stated. I'd have to go back and listen. But You're yeah, paying more attention than I we were. I do not remember that. Lutzok is always supposed to have been like old for Hawk. Yeah, because he he's got they've got. I know that there is a family that lives with them, and I think it was stated that they have kids with them. If not the theirs. family, the family upstairs do. They're not. Lurtzog family. Okay. They're, they're just a family that moved in upstairs and Lurtzog got annoyed with the kids playing on the, on the cargo lift and just took the servos out of it. But that's the best part of it. <laughs> <laughs> just yes, but their parents complain so loudly when small fingers get stuck in the worky bits. <laughs> also, what are you doing with like servos that are just sitting there being used only for recreation? when you could be using them to, you know, fun fuel your next monstrosity against uh, uh, whatever gang has slighted you this time. <laughs> this gang possibly being in heavy inverted commas. Yeah. One of the things I really like about Shadowrun is like, oh yeah, we're doing this really exciting one and we're gonna like do crimes. It's gonna be super fun. Right, okay, amazing. I wanna go and negotiate my tenancy agreement with my landlady in downtime and looking forward to that and that's still being exciting and it's not just... yeah it's just as right i'm gonna go like i would rather like i would ra literally rather like stay at work until the following morning than interact with my neighbors i love interacting with toyger's neighbors though you know yeah. you know the uh, scene where he got um, ambushed at the door by the kid with the shotgun. I think you know where I, yes, you know where, I did, that was a great scene. You know where I got the inspiration for that one from, Toyka? Um, it's Fifth Element, isn't it? Yeah, I got the idea from Fifth Element. <laughs> and the landlady from uh, Kung Fu Hustle made its way into the universe as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I started to piece that together when they there was the description of the landlady being like an ex MMA fighter or something like that. <laughs> I probably get. I've, I think I've still got the gun. I probably put that on the character sheet. I think. Uh, uh, I thought it was described as like a piece of crap. I still want it. I mean, <laughs> okay, it's I mean, special. I mean, Toyget is a kleptomaniac. So. I mean, that's something that that was translated whole cloth from me into Toyger was ooh street treasure. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not yours, it will be yours. If you didn't, if you didn't want me to take it, you should have placed more armed guards between me and it. <laughs> I mean, literally, the other like last time we were out on date night, we like we were stood at a bus stop, and there was like, oh look, a purple scarf on the ground. You got a plastic bag I can put this into, take it home and wash it, because this is mine now. Flat <laughs> hole. I'm a terrible influence. 
I'm uh, rubbing off on me, hell. Twigger, are you sure that your mental spirit isn't magpie? I mean, <laughs> she might be I my cat who, like, has stolen my glasses on a few occasions, but... Yeah, you've I think Tiger, Tiger's mentor is definitely Cat. I think that possibly Jack's mentor is Magpie. Jack, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jack, Jack's cat will quite happily sit and play with a claw hammer. Uh, I do worry about this boy sometimes. <laughs> wow. Uh, it, probably, it probably gets cut out, but like at least once an episode, there is like a loud scream or like it's like okay, we'll take a five minute break for like teas or coffees or whatever, and then just from off screen, you'll just hear a loud cry of "Baba, no!" <laughs> um, the last me, time, or me yelling, "What are you doing, you absolute fucking fur goblin?" Screaming <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at cats. Yeah. Unfortunately, me and. Um... Uh, Reinar don't have cats because our landlord is a piece of shit. Ah, a land bastard. Indeed. Indeed. Simon, why do you have a cat in this apartment? Well, it fell through the hole in the ceiling. That <laughs> <laughs> you didn't fix for like four months. <laughs> oh. Tibble's mall. <laughs> Well, I have held you guys for about an hour and a half. I should probably let you all get on because I know it is probably getting creepy late out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do want to thank you for joining me. Uh, so where can our listeners find y'all? So we are down as the Pride Against Prejudice Shadowrun actual play podcast. We are on uh, all podcatchers, in mainly Spotify, uh, but all other podcatchers as well. And we're on YouTube. We do have a Twitter. I, I have no idea what I'm doing with Twitter. I'm trying to learn. And we are also on Reddit as well. And we do have a Discord. Uh, if you check out our Spotify or Podcatcher links, then you should be able to find the Discord. And there's a link tree on there that will direct you to all of the various places and stuff and things to find us. And of course, we'll have all those links down in the description of this episode so everyone can find you as easily. As far in real life, please don't try to find me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're all antisocial bastards in real life. <laughs> um, one of the things I have been telling everyone is for our season two, we have several, several, several collabs in planning stages. So we have open spaces, and since y'all are you know, six to eight hours ahead of me, I will gladly find a way to make it. If you ever want to be on the show, we'll do a run with y'all if you want. Ooh, Ooh. That would be a I, lot of fun. I would mm. love to actually be a player for once. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, perma DM. Don't play, only GM. <laughs> no! <laughs> for your birthday. What we'll do is we'll have him come in as a player that's being a GM for a game that's inside the game. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I have actually seen this done. Uh, I think it was the art. Battle Mace 30,000! <laughs> <laughs> Play a game of Carl Combat Mage in Shadowrun. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I, I definitely want to thank you for joining me. I know that this was a little bit of a tricky thing to situate because of time frame differences, but I am glad I was able to sit down with y'all. I absolutely enjoy your show, and if you want a fresh take, on Shadowrun, 
Pride vs. Prejudice is a really good, fresh take on it. Thank oh, you. thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. Thanks, and no thanks problem. very much for having us on for this interview. It's really, really enjoyable. And, yeah. Thank you yeah, so we much. We all love gushing about our characters. Yeah. Yep. No, yeah. it's... <laughs> that is one thing, since I have been starting doing this podcast, that is one thing that I have been enjoying being a podcaster, is actually getting a chance to talk about our show, our process, and characters. It, it helps you kind of reflect on everything which is nice yeah yeah i'd agree with that so hopefully i will see you at my table i will let you know if and when i have more slots open we will randomly appear at your table at an unannounced time you know well, just turn up i might <laughs> have to i'll have to build a special trapdoor chair just for you <laughs> please don't show up like unannounced to us, there's only so much intruder soup we can eat. <laughs> <laughs> but Tiger, you can have more teeth for your appetite. Please, that is full, and honestly, <laughs> I've got enough stock. Alright, well, you all have a great rest of your evening. I can't wait to hear what happens next in your show. Thanks, Thank um, you. for having us. No Thank problem. Bye! New York, 2072. Megacorps rule over everything from their gilded skyrakers, crushing everyone underfoot. Meanwhile, the metahuman population is squeezed between the corpse and the human supremacist polyclubs, until it boils over with the bombing of the Metahumanity Pride Parade. You know what that means, right, Chummer? It's time to take pride against prejudice. Join a team of Shadowrunners thrown together by circumstance, trying to make a living in the cracks of the sprawl, as they find out who was behind the bombing and put a stop to the mastermind behind it and their plans, once and for all. Welcome to Pride Against Prejudice, a Shadowrun 4th edition actual play podcast. <laughs>